Shohei Otani hits, pitches, and trades crypto. He does it all on the platform that trades it all. FTX, the official crypto exchange of MLB. But you don't have to be a pro to trade like one. Just download the FTX app and you could be trading crypto, NFTs, and more in minutes. FTX, Shohei's in. Are you? Hello, 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 and welcome to the Fitz on Fantasy podcast. I'm Pat Fitzmorris. Find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Thank you so much for being here with me. And hey, thanks to everyone who supported the podcast to this point, and to those of you who have been kind enough to leave a rating and a review. This is the 50th episode of Fitz on Fantasy. It's kind of a cool milestone, I guess. We'll save the cake and confetti for the 100th episode. But I do want to express my gratitude to all of you for listening and to my producer, Colm Kelly, who does all the heavy lifting behind the scenes, and to Melissa Jacobs, a.k.a. the football girl who helped get this show off the ground and continues to provide key support. Now, for each of the first 50 shows, there has been a different guest. And actually, it was sort of my goal all along to get to 50 shows without repeating guests. So with that mission accomplished, I may start bringing some former guests back in the weeks ahead. And in fact, I have at least two repeat guests lined up for the coming months. But today, yet another unique first-timer, and this time it's Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers. It's not the first time I've had a fantasy footballer on the show, Mike the Hitman Wright was an earlier guest. This will be Jason's debut appearance, and I'm excited to talk to him on the eve of the Fantasy Footballer's second live tour. Uh, we're going to talk to Jason about that and some other fantasy topics. Find him on Twitter at JasonFFL, and be sure to visit the Fantasy Footballer's website, thefantasyfootballers.com. Now, before I bring in Jason, just one quick thing I want to mention. I'm starting to roll out my buying guide series at thefootballgirl.com. They're really just team previews being peddled under a different name, but hopefully they'll be somewhat fun and entertaining to read. I try to focus on player value relative to market pricing, and I'm starting with the AFC South this week. Again, you can find these buying guides at thefootballgirl.com. And I'm also going to pin something to the top of my Twitter timeline to make these easier to find. All right, it's time to talk to Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers. It's always an honor to get to talk to one of the Fantasy Footballers. They are, after all, one of the greatest power trios since Nirvana, or if you prefer, maybe ZZ Top or Rush or Sublime, uh, maybe ZZ Top is the right choice here, given the comparable beard quality. But yes, a few months ago, I was lucky to talk to Mike Wright. Uh, but really, that was just a warm-up for today's headliner, the man who sits in the middle because, obviously, he's the most trustworthy of all the fantasy footballers. It's Mr. Jason Moore. Find him on Twitter, at JasonFFL. Jason, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. You know, we do playground rules. First the worst, second the best. So... It only makes sense Mike was here, and now uh, now it's my time to shine. 
<laughs> that makes sense to me. Playground rules. That's uh, the perfect hierarchy for these things. Um, all right, let's not bury the lead here, Jason. Why don't we get right into the big news in the fantasy footballers universe? You, Mike, and Andy are about to embark on your second world tour. Uh, you guys did a series of live shows last year, and as Mike mentioned here a few months ago, those shows were extremely well-received, and now you're hitting the road again. Are you ready for it? We are hitting the road. I am extremely ready for it, looking forward to it. We we start, I believe, in your hometown. Is this your? This is where you reside, right? Chicago? Yes, sir. I'm in the suburbs, not my original hometown, but yes, my adopted hometown, and uh, yeah, man, what a great place to kick it off. Yeah, we're super excited. I mean, the whole Midwest, it's its full of such great football fans. I know when we went to uh, Minnesota last year, had just such an extremely good time. And now we're, we're, uh, we're at the Thalia Hall, which is apparently a very neat venue to be able to uh, book. And we're going to be covering our basically our, some breakouts and some busts, everybody's favorite topics. And um, so, yeah, that that's goodness. That's days away. That is this week. That's Friday. I know, man. You are uh, you are just like getting ready for those final sound checks and uh... I, everything <laughs> I said about being prepared. Completely unprepared. <laughs> so, what uh, other cities are you guys hitting this time around after you stop here in the city of Big Shoulders? So we will go from there, and then later on, we're in New York. A couple weeks after that, we will be in San Francisco. Los Angeles, and we are from Phoenix. That's uh, that'll be the final show of the year here in our hometown. Uh, tickets are sold out in Los Angeles, but there are still tickets for um, Chicago, San Francisco, New York, and Phoenix. Good lord, what a what an itinerary of major American cities. I mean, this is this is big time. Holy smokes! It's, it's a lot of fun. The the shows to see you know that many people who. No one in the room necessarily, other than the people that came with, knows other people in the room, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like everyone, you know, everyone shares the same passionate hobby, the same uh, enjoyment of fantasy football shows, and it's just, the energy is great. It's a, it's a riot. It's a fun, fun time. You learn some fantasy football and you have a blast. Yeah, about that energy level. So how much of an adrenaline rush were the live shows for you guys the first time around? And how nervous were you before the three you took the stage for the first live show? So the very first live show was here in Phoenix. It was kind of um, our our now manager um, kind of solicited us to put that together. It was a great time. I wasn't that nervous. I know the other two guys were a little bit more. Um, I, I grew up doing theater. I went to college for theater. I was, you know, assumed I was going to be an actor or director. So live performances and things like that, they, they don't bother me, but I will say this. I, I am man enough to admit that that Minnesota show, when we kicked that off, that was, you know, a sellout crowd of uh, 400 or uh, something like that. And the, the intro that we received, you know, that, that wasn't our first show, but goodness gracious, the 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 crowd's reaction to having the show start brought me to tears that I had to hold back because we're about to start a show and so I'm just trying to hold it together. <laughs> you almost ugly cried right up there on stage. Oh, 
right there. Just stop it. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, and it turned out, you know, awesome show, awesome place. So I'm super excited to go go back to the uh, the Midwest. What was the genesis of the idea to do live shows? Like who came up with it and how much thought did you guys give it before you committed to trying it? So it really was a, you know, the aforementioned manager uh, that we have, the the unknown Damon behind the scenes. He sought us out several years ago. He's a super fan. He managed um, some larger musicians and uh, bands. That was his deal is putting together live shows for them. And he said, you know, I'm a super big fan. Would you would you allow me to put on a live show? I think you guys would kill in your hometown pro bono and just have a great time. And we're like, okay, why not? So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really our genesis um but it was you know the a foot clan member out there that really believed in um in the show loves fantasy football loves the industry and you know after that was a huge success kind of pitched us on a future of more and and so yeah we uh, it was really uh his his brainchild his work we just show up and do the shows and have a blast Oh, that's great that you had someone to sort of grease the skids for you there. But uh, obviously, the idea is translated really well just beyond your uh, home studios. So now for the people who are thinking about going to the Chicago show or have tickets to one of the other shows or thinking about buying tickets to the other shows, what can people expect? I know you mentioned the sleeper bust topics coming up in Chicago, and uh, I don't want you to give too much away, of course, but... Can you at least tell us whether they're going to be uh, fog machines and pyrotechnics? Well, we do put on a rock show. I mean, that's that's not even a joke. Uh, we don't have the the instruments in hand, but we have the lights out. We have the fog up. We have uh, the the sound too high in there. You're going to have your rib cage rattled. Um, and we do make sure that you know all of the live shows when we when we're looking at our our show schedule, we want to make sure we're putting together like really um, important and engaging content for the live shows. We're not going to go in there and do some uh, boring topic that, um, you know, you you've heard a million times and you know, we, we, we put a lot of thought into those shows. Now, Jason, I do want to get into some more behind the scenes fantasy footballer stuff with you a bit later, but let's turn to some fantasy topics for a minute. And uh, I need you to help me out with the dilemma I've been having with the running back two tier. I've been restlessly shuffling Damian Williams, Aaron Jones, and Marlon Mack at the top of my RB2 tier for months now. So how how would you order those three players? So with those three, um, I, I totally get the need to... Uh, shuffle them around because all three have giant unknowns and all three could be absolute, you know, league winners this year. I put Damian Williams at the top of that list on our show. I'm well known for believing that Damian Williams is not a great running back. And I truly believe he is not a great running back. He's just a guy. He's sufficient, but the role and opportunity for running backs is so much greater than the need for talent at that position that I, I mean, look, if you're going to be a pass catching, mostly three down back for Pat Mahomes and Andy Reed, we saw it when he had the, the five or six games, including the playoff run that he can really succeed. We saw it with obviously Kareem Hunt. And while I, I don't love his talent, look, 
I, I the the depth chart doesn't scare me. Carlos Hyde doesn't scare me. Um, I I really think Damon Williams is going to have the job, and if he has that job, he'll probably be a top twelve back. And he's not being drafted as a top twelve back because, of course, there are the worries. There are the fact that well, maybe Carlos Hyde is more involved. Maybe Darwin Thompson, the rookie six rounder, is is going to get some play because they need more pass catchers if. Uh, Tyreek Hill is out. Maybe the offense isn't as good if you're missing uh, Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt. So, But the reality is it's going to be a top five offense. He's going to probably be the lead back, and I'm going to take that every time. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think just the fact that people once were drafting Carlos Hyde as like a late RB1 or early RB2, and, uh, you know, of course, back then it didn't really pan out, but – that sort of name brand value does seem like it's uh, frightening people a little bit with regard to Williams. Uh, sticking with the R2, RB2 types, do you think Leonard Fournette and uh, Devonta Freeman, Carrion Johnson, and Josh Jacobs all belong in the same tier as Williams, Jones, and Mack? And for that matter, should any of them rank ahead of Damian Williams, Aaron Jones, and Marlon Mack? Sure. Um, I do believe, uh, so I, I've got kind of Williams a slight tier above, but then I think pretty much everyone else that you mentioned is worthy of being in the conversation with each other. I, I you know, Fournette carries injury risk, but if he's out there, I think his pass catching is going to go up. I was saying that a couple weeks ago, and now this last week reports were coming out that he's going to be more involved in the passing game. I, I don't understand how he could not be they don't have another pass catching back there. TJ Yeldon is gone. He was on pace for about 40 receptions last year. And so if that ticks up and he stays healthy, Fournette's great. I, I, I like a lot of those guys. But if there's one person that my flag has been planted on for now a year and a half and I am fully, fully, fully invested in for this coming season out of everyone you mentioned, it's Carryon Johnson. Um, on Johnson to me is one of the top five running backs in the NFL if you're just talking the exact opposite of the Damian Williams take when you're just talking talent I truly believe he is on another level his pass catching ability is he's just so well-rounded you know there's in today's NFL you need a guy who can run routes who can catch passes who can beat guys to the outside with speed but who can also get the extra couple yards on you know straight ahead ground just pound it ahead and and push harder than the pile. And I think you've got that skill set in carry on Johnson. I am a huge believer in that. There's questions, right? How much is Theo Riddick going to be involved? CJ Anderson, they talk about wanting an RBBC. And of course, the biggest burden is that the Lions probably aren't going to be that good. But I believe his talent will win out over Theo. I think CJ Anderson will share a little bit of the load, but LeGarrette Blunt was there last year and shared some load and so you know if he gets up in the passing war when he was active after those first two weeks when he was basically not used he was almost an RB1 on a weekly basis and that was in a very bad situation going into year two he's he's going into camp he's going into OTAs as the main guy everyone uh you know from Detroit is you know writing about how good he looks and so he's a guy that I have as one of my breakout candidates. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you right now for the Chicago show, um, my breakout 
I'm going to lead with carry on Johnson, but he won't be the guy I talk about because I talk about him too much. <laughs> Everyone who listens to our show knows like I'm in love with him. So I'm going to bring up a different breakout candidate, but my true breakout candidate this year is carry on Johnson. I keep using the words eye test with carry on Johnson. Cause he just passed every eye test last year. And you know, I mean, how many situations aren't running back by committee? So maybe that shouldn't be scaring people as much as it does. I, I know a little, was it last week that uh, his comment about not necessarily wanting to be a workhorse uh, maybe freaked people out a little bit, but maybe it shouldn't as much. And I don't think he will be a workhorse. You know, he's not going to be up at the 350 touches mark, but Alvin Kamara is not up at 350 touch marks. So then the the gap to me is the offense, right? The Saints are a much, 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 much better offense than the Detroit Lions. But the one thing that gives me comfort is if you look back over the last five years and you look at the the running backs who had the most receptions on on the, a regular basis, you're talking about, you know, the, the Christian McCaffrey level, the Le'Veon Bell level. Whenever you look at those numbers, the one guy that is like surprising that he's in that list is Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick is like not just a pass catching back. He's one of the most past two pass catching backs. And that gives me hope because that means Matthew Stafford utilizes the check down. And I think Carrion Johnson gets on the field a much heavier percentage of plays this year. And that's where I think as his volume goes up, I don't think it's going to eat into the CJ Anderson workload split. I believe Carrion Johnson's really going to eat into the Theo Riddick split this year. Since you have the Cardinals in your backyard, Jason, let me throw a few Cardinals questions at you. Uh, first of all, how excited are you about Kyler Murray? Where do you have him ranked, and could he conceivably finish as like a top five, top ten quarter? I am way too excited about Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, it, I hate like because we're from Arizona and we are Cardinals fans. We make no, you know, lies about that. Um, we I hate when I love a guy from Arizona. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I just <laughs> it's guilt. That people will be like, oh, it's a homer pick. It's that. But the one thing that I love about my love for Kyler is that it was well before he was a Cardinal. Um, you know, it, so th that's, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't know if the Cardinals would take him or not. But from a fantasy perspective, I, I don't think he wins a lot of games this year in the, in the real world. But from fantasy, when you've got a guy who might be the best passer in the draft, who's definitely the best rusher in the draft at the position, I mean, Whenever year one players come in and have an impact for fantasy at quarterback, it's with the legs. It's, you know, and, and I think Kyler's got that. The offensive rate of Cliff Kingsbury is going to be high. Now, I'm not necessarily projecting him for a huge breakout. He's my 16th quarterback right now. Um, so not even a quarterback one. But if you're talking about what's his potential, could he be a top five guy? Definitely. I mean, Cam came in, in in his rookie year and was, uh, you know, a top five quarterback. And that's kind of despite the enormous difference in physical body traits between Kyler and Cam. It's actually, I think, a reasonable comp from a statistical performance. You've got a, a, a solid enough passer and, and that's being very kind to Cam and a and an outstanding uh, running quarterback in Cam Newton. And you've got the same in um, in Kyler and, you know, the comps to Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, those those guys that just they're really solid. They're not spectacular, maybe as as passers, but they're solid. And they they just pad those stats with the rushing. 
both those guys year one were quarterback ones. And so, yeah, Kyler should, you know, it, it's hard to project him higher than I've got him at, at 16, because you're going to be saying, okay, he's ahead of Matt Ryan for me. Um, he's not, he's not in my rankings, but I would have to do that in order to, uh, get him up there. And so, you know, he belongs, I think in the, in the team. Sure. Which is fair. I mean, it's, it's that vast, uh, tier of quarterbacks from like QB seven or QB eight, all the way to good Lord, like QB 22 or something. So, uh, you're, you're saying that he, you know, belongs on that tier right away. So QB 16 is certainly not a, uh, you know, it's not like you're fading him, having him in that spot. Uh, what sort of expectations do you have for David Johnson this year? And what's the earliest point in the first round at which you'd feel comfortable drafting him? So David Johnson, I mean, I guess you have to say he's got a full locked and loaded expectation demand that he's a top 10 running back this year. Uh, because last year he was a top 10 running back and he busted. He was terrible. People drafted him, you know, sometimes as the number one back definitely in the top three, huge expectations. And he, he he was so bad that he is so many people's number one bust from last year, and he was the running back 10. So, I mean, being if you watched the Cardinals games, which I have to believe the vast majority of your audience did not because they were not broadcast. The NFL saw how yucky it was to watch them and said, you're not on television unless you're specifically seeking out that game. Well, in Arizona, we unfortunately saw them. And you're talking about here, David, take the ball out of an under center snap and run it straight up the middle. It's not what you do the best, but do it over and over and over and over for two yards a clip. And he still finished as the running back 10 in a terrible offense with one of the slowest rates of play with terrible play calling and terrible quarterback play. So it's like, if that's the baseline for David Johnson, assuming he plays 16, I think the upside is significant. The upside is, I mean, the the true upside is running back one, which he's proven he can do. Um, I don't think he's there in the highest. I would draft him. I'm not taking him over Saquon. I'm not taking him over Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Those four to me are in an kind of an it's hard to argue that David Johnson should be in the draft right now in that tier. Like I I can't make the argument for it. After that, you can make an argument, okay, David Johnson's in that next tier. If you want him first, take him. I've still got him behind a couple other guys. Melvin Gordon currently behind Joe Mixon, but that one gets a little that one gets a little like, eh, you know, I probably want David Johnson. You know, it, both offenses could be good and could be bad uh, in 2019, but that that's around the range where I think he belongs. Yeah, I'm with you right behind that top four, and I think I have Gordon a little bit higher and then just ahead of Mixon, I have DJ. So, yeah, I, I'm totally on board with you there. Yeah, we don't always agree. Like, I look at my rankings and I go, I don't want David Johnson behind Joe Mixon, but because, you know, the way we develop ours, we stat every player out, every team and all that, they fall where they fall. And so, you know, what I've what I've given to the Bengals and to Joe Mixon, apparently in a half point PPR format is slightly more than I've given to David Johnson. So that's that's where he that's where I'm projecting him to finish. I've seen some enthusiasm for Christian Kirk with some people putting him in the wide receiver three range. Now, you and Andy and Mike all have him in the wide receiver four range. Uh, and I think Andy might even have him lower than that. 
Does that relatively conservative ranking of Kirk reflect a belief that the ball is going to be spread around in Cliff Kingsbury's offense? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a combination of a couple different factors, right? I have Kyler Murray throwing for 3,800 yards, which is an asinine amount of yards for a rookie incoming quarterback. I think um, I saw... I don't remember if it was DraftKings or FanDuel. One of those set the over-under line for Kyler Murray's season at 3,100. Um, for a rookie to get 3,800 yards, that would be just outstanding. And then you divide that up by all the different pass catchers, including David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, the incoming smorgasbord of rookies. And it's going to be difficult for one guy to really dominate um, in in fantasy. Now, if there was one from the Cardinals to dominate this year, I would I would put my chips on Christian Kirk because, you know, he came from this system. A lot is being written about and talked about locally here about how the system is playing out, that Kyler is actually the one most familiar with it, and he is bringing, like Larry Fitzgerald was talking about, Kyler is teaching him the system, the, the, the rookie quarterback. And that, you know, he that Kyler is ahead of everybody um, and he's bringing people along and helping them figure out because for for the wide receivers, it's all wide receiver choice at certain parts of the route based on the defense. And so they've all got to sync up. Kyler knows what he wants the wide receivers to do. And from all the reports, the other guy who's in the lead is Christian Kirk. He came from this system um, when he was playing ball in Texas and with Kyler Murray. Uh, they've been teammates in college before, so I would definitely say Christian Kirk is the guy who will break out if there's a wide receiver who breaks out from the Cardinals. I just don't know that there will be, and I would put the odds slightly lower than 50%. And I guess breakout is probably not a word we would use with Fitz, and uh, you know maybe his days of 100 catch seasons are in the rearview mirror, but still going to be plenty involved, don't you think? Certainly, he'll he'll be very involved. Um, the the issue I think with Fitz is just, you know, touchdowns, touchdowns from the slot. They're not as common and as repeatable as a lot of the other positions. And so, if anyone could do it, it's Fitz. He's done it. He's he's gotten you know a good touchdown number from the slot. But um, you know, he is another year older. It is a new system. They're trying to bring up the next generation. So. I think Fitz will probably be a value in your draft because he's not going to go away. He's going to be a guy you can plug in on a weekly basis and get points. If you need a flex start, Larry's going to be absolutely fine. But that's just never who you want to draft. You know, you're in your draft and you're looking for who's the guy that's going to just be amazing. And sometimes that's the wrong pick. The right pick is to go late in a draft with a Larry Fitzgerald instead of some rookie who's not going to break out in the first half of the year and have someone you can plug in your lineup on a week-in, week-out basis if you're in any kind of PPR format who's going to, you know, get you 10 points. Yeah, Larry Fitz can still be a solid par. You don't always have to go for the green and two from 230 yards out over a pond, uh, you know, and, and Larry can be the nice uh, three-shot par five par for you. Um, now, I've got to get to this, Jason. I have seen the tour of the pristineauctions.com studio that you guys posted on YouTube. And, well, the phrase living the dream gets worn out at times. But you guys really are living the dream, getting to go to work in a place like that every day. And, folks, I strongly urge you to search 
fantasy footballer studio tour on YouTube. So you can see what I'm talking about. If you don't know already, uh, do you have to pinch yourself when you walk through the door of that place every morning? You know, we take it for granted too much, but there is probably every other week. And by too much, I mean ever. Um, because every other week we do chuckle. We do laugh. We do pinch ourselves and go, wow, like how, how is, how is this happening? How, how are we allowed to do fantasy football for, you know, for our full-time job? And, you know, because we're, we're an independent podcast show entity, you know, we're not owned. We, you know, the three of us own it. We can build it the way we want. We can do the things that we think are best for the show, best for the people, best for us, best for our families. And one of those things is building out this studio. You know, we started in a bedroom. We started in Andy's son's bedroom. He got evicted. The father kicked him out, said, you're bunking with the other boy. My (laughs) personal office was his walk-in closet. We took the door off, called it the cloth, put a little uh, desk in there. So, I mean... You know, I, I feel like we've we've uh, done the grinding game and worked to get where we are, but it's it's just an unbelievable blessing. And I mean, it really is cool here. You know, you've got nine <laughs> super large TVs to watch uh, football, never miss a snap. You know, I, I think we started with four or five really nice big TVs on our TV wall and then Certain morning games, like, well, there's nine games going on here. We, you know, we got to do something about this. So we've got all nine going on this incredible uh, experience to watch games. Uh, you know, we've got shuffleboard and foosball. And the when we take a break from the grinding of and, – and we built out the studio perfect for us. Like, our office that we work in is a three-person office. Me, Mike, and Andy, we're, we're working together in the same room at all times can build up the the actual set the way we want it so it's 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 a real blessing where we we totally recognize um and are grateful extremely grateful for the position we're at and the blessings that we have um we're very lucky but we also recognize it's awesome we don't need to say it's not because it's it's pretty cool (laughs) and i did not know about the humble office closet origins that's a that's a great story that i was not aware of and uh, hell, you guys earn it, man. I mean, you carry so many people through the drudgery of their day, through the office hours, through the workouts, through the long car ride commutes. Uh, hey, man, you guys bring a lot of joy to a lot of people and inform people. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you guys have earned it all. And it is absolutely spectacular. And most spectacular, Jason, is that front room with the setup of the aforementioned big screen TVs, the magnificent bar shuffleboard table, the foosball table. First of all, who is the reigning shuffleboard king? I'm so glad you're asking this question. (laughs) We have three games in this studio. We have foosball, we have shuffleboard, and then we have what we have uh, invented double shuff, which is you it's shuffleboard, except you can stack the pucks on top of each other. If you so choose, you want to throw two at a time, three at a time, four at a time. Uh, there's a lot of neat strategy there, and bizarrely, it works out as a fantastic game. Well, Pat, I mean, it pains me to have to brag here, but I am currently the champion of shuffleboard, double shuffleboard, and foosball. Oh, the my. Triple, triple crown. I'm glad I'm doing this podcast right now uh, <laughs> because, you know, now now it's 
it's official. I'm want record this, and then it'll be out there forever that I am the triple champ. I did not realize I was talking to the Ted Williams of the Fantasy Footballer Studio. That is impressive. <laughs> now, help set the scene for me, Jason. It's a typical game day Sunday in the studio. Does everyone always come in? When do people start showing up? And really what I would need to know, because my mind is always on food, do you guys get some elaborate feast delivered to you every Sunday, or is it more of a potluck thing, or does everyone just sort of fend for themselves? Yeah, so uh, the the morning opens up. Mike has his Sunday live show that he is doing in the early morning with Brooks in the studio. Um, you know, we're all we, we all three have three children, families, uh, men of faith. So Andy and I have church Sunday morning. Mike has a Saturday night service that he goes to. So he's here um, earlier. We come in for the morning games. After that, everyone is in the studio. As far as me, Mike, and Andy, every Sunday, making sure we literally see every snap of football that's humanly possible um brooks is usually here our producer as well and then when the um you know when the morning games start ending we'll we'll order food it's always different but uh we order food in postmates or grubhub or something and uh eat while we watch and uh eventually our eyeballs want to fall out of our skull and we go home and watch sunday night football at home so that's that's usually how the Sunday goes. Are there ever beers involved, or is it more of a coffee and soda thing? More of an energy drink, <laughs> energy drink and coffee and Lacroix or sparkling water uh, stuff here. The, you know, it it's funny. It's so stupid to say this, and I realize what I'm about to say is this stupid. So a, a little grace here for how stupid what I'm about to say is. But it's really hard work to watch nine football games at once. <laughs> you know, it's like, woe it is me. Is. Woe is me. I know it's the ultimate first world problem, but it's it's intense. Like, you know, we're not we're not doing shuffleboard during those times unless all the games are at half or something. Uh, you know, in the especially for the the morning slate, which maybe for East Coasters is thought of as the the uh, you know what is that the afternoon slate. Um, but, uh, for us, the morning slate is, you know, we're all three watching nine screens at once, trying to see every play alert anybody to anything going on on another screen. You know, it, it, it's nice that it's football in the sense that, you know, a play happens and then you got 30 more seconds before another play happens. And so the games usually line up where you can surprisingly take it all in, but it's a lot of work. And if we're taking notes, we got the laptops and the iPads and notepads out and we're, we're watching, paying attention, trying to be the best analysts we can be. Now, tell me about the Spitballers podcast that the three of you do. How was Spitballers conceived? Yeah, so the Spitballers podcast is a is is non football. It's kind of like an outlet for us to just be silly, be funny. Um, I came from a comedy improv background. That's what I did in high school and college. Went to California, uh, worked some with the Groundlings, and and. Um, that was kind of my background. Met my wife in a comedy improv troupe. So that's what I love, you know, aside from fantasy football. And we love to have fun and have tangents on the show. But we recognize people listening to fantasy football. They want the information. They want the nuts and bolts. And we want to entertain them. We want them to have fun listening. So it's, you know, so that they want to keep listening. But we don't want to just tangent for 20 minutes. And then it's like, okay, this is entertaining. But I came for football. 
So we spun up the spitballers where we talk about would you rather questions and we do mock drafts of whatever, whether it's the best movies of all time or um, things in a grocery store that you would draft to have a fight to the death. Uh, you know, it's all nonsense. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, from from a from a entity side and a, and a business side, there is something that was always appealing to us. We'd go to these podcast festivals, these podcast movement um, events, and nothing ever applied to us. Because in fantasy football, we're essentially news, which is not normal for podcasting. You know, nobody is listening to our week 13 waivers pickup show right now. In fact, nobody's listening to that in week 14 because it's completely irrelevant content. And so we were always so jealous of the evergreen shows, the shows where it's like, hey, you listen to this show three years later. It's as good then, you know, you listen to stuff you should know and you want to learn about how was the hot dog made, which I don't think you want to learn about that, but to each their own. You can listen to that any year you want. I doubt they've made revolutions in hot dog making um, since they made that podcast. And so that's kind of that was one of our uh, desires is that, look, you don't have to love fantasy football and you don't have to listen to it today. You can enjoy this at your own pace whenever you want. The whole family can listen. That was another thing. Like, you know, we're family men. People ask us all the time, like, so do you like, you know, do you just not cuss on the show? And like in real life, it's just who we are. You know, we we are who we are. And there's not a lot of clean comedy podcasts that you could listen with your family in the car. You know, if I'm listening to a podcast that I enjoy, um, usually I would have to turn that off when I when the I get to the front of the car pickup line for the kids and have them hop in. But uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a number of things that caused us to make the Spitballers podcast, but it's been a, a well-received with the mock drafts you do, you mentioned those. Maybe it's ice cream flavors or favorite smells or battle weapons. Uh, and then when you guys are done, you post the draft results on Twitter and let people vote on who won. And brilliant idea. But tell me, do you ever get ticked off when you think you've just completely nailed a draft and you do poorly in the Twitter poll? I would get so ticked off if that <laughs> ever happened. Um, <laughs> I think that's. I think that has happened once, and I, I was not happy about it. But for the most part, I think I've got a good gauge of uh, society. So, you, I mean, that's not to say that I always win, but it's to say I always know when I lost. <laughs> you know, I, I leave a draft and go, oh, yeah, I've got no, I've got no chance um, with what I drafted here. So, usually I, uh, I'm not too surprised, but it is, it is one of those like, okay, it's going to be between me and Andy or me and Mike this week. I don't like losing those. We are we are so competitive. This is why I think we're good at fantasy football is just because of the nature of Andy, Mike, and myself when it comes to competition. Our shuffleboard games are as intense as any as the NBA Finals game six. I mean, it's just everything we do, we want to win. And so that 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 bleeds into the spitballers. Now speaking of that competitive fire, uh you and Andy and Mike are all very good rankers and have collectively been killing it in the Fantasy Pros accuracy competitions. Uh, last year, you and Andy were top 10 for in-season rankings. Mike was top 20. And uh, this is out of well over 100 people who do weekly rankings. The year before, you and Andy were top 15. And Mike, uh, he was a little further down. And last year in the preseason draft rankings, you finished a lofty third. Mike finished ninth. And Andy 
is a little further down. So how competitive are you guys with each other when it comes to rankings? And how much do you guys needle each other when those weekly accuracy results are posted? Oh, that's everything. That's everything, Pat. <laughs> you know, we're, we're look, we want to prove that we're better than ev- everyone. Now, and I mean that individually, like I want to be better than Andy and Mike and Mike wants to be better than Andy and me and Andy wants to be better than Mike and me because of that competitive fire. And so running down late into last season when Andy and I were both just neck and neck and, you know, it was like, oh, you know, we're, we're right next to each other. We're both near the top 10. It was every time he would beat me, it was the worst. It's just the worst. And and conversely, every time I beat him, it was the best. Um, but we also root for each other. Obviously, We're, we want all three of us to be top ten. We want we want the number one, number two, and number three spot. And uh, so it was nice getting two in the top ten for both draft and in season rankings. Uh, that's difficult. Uh, you know how difficult you you've been one of the best rankers on your own um, for the last several years. And so we, we are definitely proud of that. And it gives us, I feel like it gives us a little bit of credence to be silly on the show because, you know, a lot of times we get the comments of like, Oh, they're really entertaining, but you know, they just, they probably don't know their stuff because you know, they just goof around and then people chime in and we're like, well, you know, they, they were kind of, they were top 10 in accuracy. So they, they do know their stuff. It is. It's a, a validating thing, and it's uh, you know nice to be able to brag on a little bit. Let's talk about some individual player rankings. Uh, and, of course, let's start with the provision that these are June rankings and certainly subject to tweaking and massaging over the summer months. Now, last I checked, Jason, you and Nick Chubb ranks RB24. So what, what reservations do you have with him to be pretty decidedly below consensus? On? So I have two reservations with Nick Chubb. Uh, and I recognize I am below consensus rankings on him, and he would not be this low in my draft order if we're just talking, okay, would I draft him behind some of the guys that are there? But these are season-long rankings, Um, and like I said, we stat people out, every player, every team, um, and and that helps us in, in our accuracy scores. So one of those concerns is Kareem Hunt. I, you know, I think I took away six carries a game in the second half of the season for the pace that I gave Nick Chubb, which I think is reasonable to think that Kareem Hunt comes in and gets seven or eight carries and maybe six of those comes at the expense of Chubb. And that hurt him a little bit. But then the other the other thing is pass catching. I just don't see him projected as the pass catching back. He didn't have that skill set in college. I don't think that's his forte. They have Duke Johnson. They went out and got Kareem Hunt. So it's one of those things where it's like if he is less utilized for half of the year and through the entirety of the year, he's not a real pass catching back. What do you end up with? Because I love Nick Chubb. I think he's talented. I don't have reservations on him. I don't have reservations on the Browns. But from the standpoint of fantasy football, if he's not catching the ball and getting the half point, the full point per reception, the extra yardage that comes along with it, then he has to score a lot of touchdowns. I mean, it's just you you don't get the option. So touchdowns are very unpredictable, as you know. They're not the most sticky of stat. So if he's not catching the ball and we think we've got to give him a reasonable touchdown number, he just falls in my rankings. Yeah, and I buy that. I mean, the first half of the season could be pretty terrific if the Browns offense fires to the degree that everyone thinks it's going to and they're scoring a lot of touchdowns and Chubb is getting 
you know, close to 20 carries a game, but that Kareem Hunt curtain is going to fall at some point. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a little tougher to roll Hunt out with confidence every and, week. And that's why I said I would, I would draft Chubb higher than where he is necessarily in my season long rankings, because I really care much, much more about how players get off. You know, what's the start they get off to? Cause if you're in an active league, I mean, my, my roster never, ever looks anything like what I drafted come the end of the year. I mean, it's, it's just completely different. So I would be fine drafting Nick Chubb without the Kareem Hunt worries in the first eight games. Matt Ryan came up earlier, and uh, Andy and Mike have Matt Ryan as a top five quarterback. You have him QB 13, and uh, we, we mentioned sort of the flatness of the, uh, the quarterback position in rankings, but... Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm more in your camp on this. What accounts for your lower ranking of Matty Ice here? So Matt Ryan has been a very good fantasy quarterback for half of his career and a very mediocre fantasy quarterback for half of his career. And it's usually every other year. Um, he's not had a stretch and then gone away or was poor and now is better. It, it, it kind of, he is a victim of his surroundings now his surroundings are great so if you want to put him in the top five and say look he's got julio jones calvin ridley looks real muhammad sanu is a great wide receiver three you've got devonta freeman back to catch the ball you know the situation you can make the argument as andy and mike have that that matt ryan should be a a top quarterback i don't buy in because the defense uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me <clears throat> I'm dying over here. Um, I think I'm back to life. Um, look, last year, the Falcons defense got annihilated with injuries. I mean, just destroyed. All of their best defensive players went down in the first two weeks of the season. Genuinely like nothing I've ever seen from one team's, you know, offense or defense or special teams. It was just crazy. And now Matt Ryan had to score 35 points if he wanted to win a game, 40 points if he wanted to win a game. He was in a division with other great offenses, you know, like the Saints, where you, you have to keep up. I don't think their defense is bad. I don't think that they've got a bad personnel, and I think that they're going to not have to play catch-up, not have to have the speed of play on a per-game basis like they did last year. And with Freeman injured last year, the rushing touchdown numbers fell. So that means the passing touchdown numbers have to go up. I mean, last year it, you had Matt Ryan who threw for, I believe, eight touchdowns more than his previous four year average combined. And that's including his Super Bowl year where he had great touchdown counts. So I just think the touchdown numbers come back. He's a good quarterback, but it's not at all to it's not outlandish in the slightest to say that Matt Ryan finishes outside of the top 14 quarterbacks because three of the last six years he's done it yeah it's funny his his yardage has been like so consistent year to year and the touchdowns have just fluctuated so wildly and we see it reflected in his ADP every year like what his touchdown count was the previous year and you know sort of the, the right game to play it seems is to you know try to play it back toward the middle. And, and you know, we've kind of seen things bounce around with him so much that, yeah, I think uh, it might be a mistake to overrank him this year. And, and with Freeman being gone, 
and the rushing touchdowns not being there. You look last year, a lot of people don't realize Matt Ryan had three rushing touchdowns. I mean, those inflate your numbers a lot. And in the last five years prior to last year, he had a combined zero rushing touchdowns. Matt Ryan does not, in five seasons, he didn't have one. And then he had three last year. You you can kiss those goodbye. So, I mean, that, that alone drops him from where he finished last year in a significant manner. Good points. Um, now, you have Damian Harris ranked somewhat aggressively at running back 39 relative to other rankers, I guess. Does that reflect a belief that uh, he's going to immediately force his way into a committee? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he, he doesn't need to force his way into a committee. They are a committee. I mean, I know you can go to the 2016 LeGarrette Blount and see that, oh, man, you know, near 300 carries and 18 touchdowns. Maybe that'll be Sony Michelle. But I look more at what happened the last couple of years with Rex Burkhead. I see Damian Harris as a Rex Burkhead replacement who might be able to actually stay on the field. Because when Rex played, Rex was solid. He was good for fantasy, and he hurt the other two backs there a little bit. Damian Harris is a solid player. I don't see why with a guy with a degenerative knee who just had it scoped again that they would. I mean, they, they spent a day two pick on Damian Harris. He's not a bench warmer. They, they brought him in to play football, and I think this is a team that's going to run the ball a lot. So it's a mistake to just leave him for dead and give everything to Sony Michelle. The last one, Jason, uh, Andy and Mike appear to be walking away from Corey Davis and I don't know that you're necessarily giving him a major endorsement with a wide receiver 36 ranking, but at least you're keeping a candle lit, whereas they have blown theirs out for Corey Davis. And uh, I don't know, do you, you think it's too early to wave the white flag here? Trying to blow that candle out. No, I, I, this is not an endorsement. I do not endorse Corey Davis. Look, again, this is just one of those, we stat every team out, we stat every player out. The stats and the chips fall where they lie, and that's where he ended up wide receiver 39. If you, this isn't an endorsement that, oh, he's still going to be a top end quarterback and he's not too low because he could be great. I, I think he's going, I mean, you know, my rankings reflect what I think is going to happen this year. So I think he's going to be the wide receiver 39. I think you're going to be disappointed with basically the wide receiver 40 in every league. I mean, where, where are you going to be excited to have? a guy that, you know, he projects as the one for the team still. If he finishes as the wide receiver 39, that means that on a regular basis, you were having to start him because you didn't know which games it was going to come in and which games it didn't to accumulate to the wide receiver 39. I mean, you're going to be unhappy with him unless there's a true breakout this year. And I just don't see why he would break out this year when he didn't last year he had plenty of opportunity where he was healthy Mariota was healthy he was the one he had the target volume he had the snap percentage he wasn't a rookie it didn't work out so I you know it's not impossible for him to break out but you know this is a game of probability of odds we're, we're making little gambling bets on everything we do and I am betting against Corey Davis. So, no, not an endorsement with my rankings. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess the counter argument is that maybe they get a dead cat bounce in terms of uh, passing volume a little bit after being the, you know, second most run heavy team in the league uh, behind only Seattle. And that, you know, maybe, maybe this is the season they get a full year of good health from Marcus Mariota. And, uh, you know, he looks more like the player they thought they were drafting so highly 
uh, five years ago. But yeah, I, I realize that, uh, you know, if you're going to put some chips down on Corey Davis, you are not shoving in your entire stack this year. That's probably not a great bet. Uh, well, Jason, I know I need to let you run so that you can make sure the fog machines and flash bombs are all ready to go for the tour. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Before you go, is there anything you want to plug besides the, the big tour? Uh, you know, no. I mean, just we we, we love fantasy. If you uh, aren't familiar with the ballers, you could check us out at thefantasyfootballers.com. And if you are familiar and you don't have your Chicago tickets yet, it's ballerslive.com. Uh, we look forward to seeing you, Pat, there um, this week and uh, everybody else who shows up. It's going to be a blast. And again, find Jason on Twitter at JasonFFL. Jason, thanks again and break a leg, man. Thanks. See you soon. And that, my friends, is going to do it for today's show. Just let me put a bow on things by thanking a few people. First off, thank you once again to today's guest, Jason Moore. Find him on Twitter at JasonFFL and go check out thefantasyfootballers.com. Thank you once again to my producer, Colm Kelly. Find him on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And be sure to check out the podcast that Colm does along with Sean Siegel for Rotoviz. It's called the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. And I can't say enough good things about the show that Colm and Sean put out. Melissa Jacobs is kind enough to post my fantasy rankings and articles on her website, thefootballgirl.com, and this podcast would not be possible without her. Find Melissa on Twitter at thefootballgirl, and be sure to check out the Football Girl podcast, an excellent show where Melissa interviews some of the most accomplished women in the sports media. Thank you to International Jet Set for providing the great music, and I thank you, dear listener, for your patronage and your support. You guys are the absolute best, and I really do appreciate you. All right, that's it for me. Thanks again, and please tune in again next week when I will be back with another great guest. So long, everyone. Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight better parlay. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.